Welcome to the Crowd Church Podcast. We are an online church and you are listening to the service that we also live stream on YouTube and Facebook. For more information about Crowd Church, please visit our website at www.crowd.church. Good afternoon and welcome to Crowd Church. We are an online church for those that might not see the point of church, for those who are looking for answers on how to live a more meaningful life. My name is Matt Edmondson and I am joined again by my very good friend, colleague uh, and yeah, all around amazing person, which is Anna Anna Kettle. How are we doing, Anna? I'm good, thank you. That was quite an introduction. So yeah, very nice to be called an all round good person. <laughs> an all round good egg as we like to say here in the UK, an all-round good egg. That's you, Anna, definitely, definitely, definitely. So, welcome to the, uh, we've been recalling, calling these the non-live live streams. Uh, these are uh, sort of recordings during August because the team is having some time off, some well-earned time off, uh, time, time off? Uh, time off in August. Uh, we're enjoying a bit of a break, so these live streams although they're going out live on Facebook and YouTube, are actually pre-recorded. So uh, we won't be responding to comments in the live stream, but we would love for you to comment uh, and still keep doing that. Uh, people will be in the comments anyway, so just you know, join in, say hi, it'd be great to hear from you. Uh, and yeah, that's kind of, the, that's kind of what we're doing uh, throughout August. Anna, what do you think? And I mean, I appreciate you're here on the uh, on the other end of the video camera here. Uh, what do you think to this idea of pre-recording live streams for the month of August? I think it's a great idea because it's rest's really important, isn't it? It's yeah. you know, it's an important biblical principle that we uh, take time off and and rest. You know, like it's something I'm passionate about. I I wrote a whole book on rest, didn't I? So yeah, <laughs> you totally did. It. I think yeah, it's yeah. a good book. Yeah, it's a really good book too. Uh, you should definitely check Wait, it out. Yeah, the product now, hold on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you should you missed an opportunity that. there, didn't I, Matt? Where's our marketing gone? <laughs> yeah, nice little marketing moment there. We will, of course, <laughs> link to Anna's book in the show notes. Um, uh, so, yeah. Uh, do check out Anna's book, though. It was really good. What's it? Sand Between Your Toes? Sanding Your Toes? Yeah, sand sand Through Your toes. toes. Yeah, yeah. I knew there was sand and toes it's in the It's a toes. devotional, basically, all on learning to rest. So, yeah. It is. Yeah, and give actually just it's give it to a read quick, in August, in fact. Yeah, a good book to read whilst you're on holiday. So do grab yeah. hold of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you also uh, have a blog, uh, Anna Kettle Writes, right? Yeah, annakettle.com on the website and Anna Kettle Writes on Instagram. That's it. Yeah, yeah. So, and you talk about a lot of it on uh, resting a lot on your blog and on Instagram, which is yeah. great. So, do follow along. And of course, if you would like to know more about Crowd Church, you can hit up the website, which is on your screens right now, www.crowd.church, or you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at Crowd Church. And if you are listening on the podcast and uh, you can't actually see what's on the screen, a warm welcome to you as well. Uh, it's great that you're joining us. Do connect with us. Do head on over to the website, www.crowd.church. The links are on all wherever you get the podcast from. So uh, do hit us up. It'd be great to hear from you. Uh, I'm always yeah. amazed, actually, how many people around the world consume the Crowd Church content and how 
it's all made possible with technology, which is fantastic. And it's always great to hear from the four corners of the globe. So do yeah, reach out. cool thing, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's amazing. I said this the other day. I don't know if you know this, but um, our podcast, not our live streams, not YouTube, but our podcasts, um, when I checked the stats the other day, a significant portion, like 7% of the people, of the well, 7% of our podcasts were being consumed inside Russian borders, which amazed me, uh, which is really interesting. And so if you are in Russia listening to this, know that we are praying for you and we are praying for the Ukraine still, um, that obviously peace would come. Uh, and yeah, it's, um, it's a crazy messed up situation. And so, uh, but it's great that you're here. Uh, and the gospel, you know, goes across all borders, which is just lovely and beautiful. So, yes. Anna, what is coming up today? So we've got Esther talking today. And um, she's going to be sharing a little bit about her own story um, all around um, mental health. And she's going to be helping us launch the podcast, isn't she? She is. Yes. Good segue there, Miss Anna. We have a brand new podcast, uh, which will be going live uh, either today or in the next few days, depending on how how how, how we manage to marry up the technology. Uh, it's a brand new podcast called What's the Story? Now, if you subscribe to the Crowd Church podcast, you will need to subscribe to the What's the Story podcast as well. We're keeping them separate for reasons which I, I, I there are good reasons. I just can't remember them right now. Yeah. Uh, and so there are two separate podcasts. One's called What's the Story and one's called Crowd Church. Do you search for it on your podcast platforms or the easiest way to find it might just be to go to the website um, and follow the links. Now, what's the story? Um, we say that what's the story is a podcast where we hear stories about faith and courage from everyday people. Now, how the podcast differs uh, is that in the live stream, uh, well, the live live streams, not the pre-recorded live streams, but the, the normal, normal live streams. <laughs> I'm getting myself all confused now. In the normal live streams, we have a talk uh, and then we will do conversation street, a bit like what we're going to do today, to be fair. And we respond to your comments and stuff that you throw up uh, on Facebook. And that tends to be around a topic. So for the last year, we've been doing what does the Bible say about and we've looked at a whole myriad of topics. Uh, and haven't we? I mean, you've hosted on a shed load of them. Uh, and so some of the topics that you've done, what does the Bible say about grief? You did that talk. Yeah. Um, what are some of the other topics that have stood out for you? Um, I love the one on what does the Bible say about women? Yeah, that was a um, good one. Hannah Slane. Yeah. Um, I love the one on um healing. There was there's been yep. a couple on healing actually. Um suffering. Yeah. I I just think they're all big meaty topics. I, I love a, a good deep dive into these kind of things. They are all meaty topics and Part of me is like, you can never do them justice with a 20 minute no. talk and a 25 minute conversation street segment. But we had a good bash. But it's good it. food for thought, isn't it? It's good it to kind of start the conversation. And obviously yeah. the whole point is that people keep those conversations going in their, in their week and in their own lives and keep reading up on it. So, yeah. Exactly. And that's what we want you to do, right? So that's been the last year of Crowd Church's life. We've taken this brief sort of pause in August while we've done other stuff so we've we've kind of paused what does the bible say about so john's did, did a talk on um on 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 walls <laughs> uh, going through the wall uh, emotionally healthy spirituality based on that book um 
and we've had the Kent share. I shared something that was a little bit different to, you know, the What Does the Bible Say About. So we've just done things a little bit differently in August. We are going to start again the What Does the Bible Say About series very briefly, and then we start a whole new series in mid-September, starting with John's Gospel. It's called Origins, right? Now, that's what the live stream has been doing, okay? What we wanted to do with what's the story was kind of complete the picture. So uh, you, for example, see Anna, the beautiful all round good egg, which is Anna week in, week out, hosting or speaking. And so what we wanted to do was deep dive into Anna's story. So you've actually recorded one of these podcasts, right? I have. Yeah, I've recorded a bit more about my own story. Yeah, yeah, which was just... You interviewed me, didn't you, Matt? I did. I hopefully I did an all right job too. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. But you were fantastic. Uh, me, on the other hand, um, no, no, no. We 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 did. So it's an interview style. So I get to talk to people like Anna about their story, and we deep dive into their story, uh, and we talk about faith and courage uh, from everyday people, and we talk about how they, you know, their journey of faith and how they became a Christian, which always fascinates me. And we also talk about massive challenges that people have to overcome. Uh, and uh, certainly from a Christian point of view, how they've overcome those with the help of God. So this is the podcast, right? And it's called What's the Story? As I say, do subscribe. So what we want to do today, I appreciate this is a slightly longer introduction than normal. We would have been in the talk by now, but that's OK. Uh, what we're going to do today, as uh, Anna has said, is we're going to have Esther Richards. Uh, now, this is a 20 minute segment from uh, my, they're normally about 50 minutes to an hour, the What's the Story podcast. They're quite, they're quite in depth. Um, and this is a 20 minute segment from my conversation with Esther. So to, if you want to hear the rest of it, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, but so we want to launch the podcast today with this segment uh, from the talk uh, from the talk from the podcast with Esther and then Anna and I are going to be back after this um after Esther a little bit of worship then we'll be back to talk about this talk so here's your first glimpse at the what's the story podcast I actually spent from about the age of 10 or 11 actually until the age of probably about 2021 um really quite ill with my mental health and um, okay so i started off with like a lot of anxiety around school stuff i was my mom would always say like oh she was a bit of a worrier as a kid but then when i was probably about 11 um i had some issues with friends at school and so i had like physical illness symptoms but had no nothing was physically wrong with me and the doctor was yeah. like, oh, maybe it's an anxiety thing. But I was like, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, and then that just basically got progressively worse um, throughout my teenage years. And so developed into major, just like general anxiety, but also a lot of social anxiety, really suffered with panic attacks um, and then eventually depression. Kind of the depression started probably when I was about uh, 16, 17 was when that got really bad. Um, kind of just powered through it, to be honest. Um, lots of doctor's appointments that didn't really go anywhere. Um, some like school counseling that I had, um, which was helpful. But then eventually once, so once I turned 18, they gave me antidepressants and that helped. Um, 
that basically just got through high school, essentially. I think a lot of my mm. friends generally with some similar things. So there was some kind of camaraderie in that, I think. Um, and then just found Liverpool, decided to go to Liverpool for uni. Um, I studied archaeology with Egyptology. And I was like, that sounds cool. I'll do that. Didn't really have yeah. much of a sense of like, oh, I really want to do this because I didn't really see my future um, because I just saw that I was struggling. And so I thought, well, there, there can't be much of a future for me. So I'll just pick something that sounds interesting because it doesn't really matter what comes next. Okay, there's a lot there. Uh, <laughs> if you don't mind, we're going to dig in. I can't, we can't just push over some of these things. Oh, we'll do it. Um, so you're... You struggled then a lot with mental health during your teenage years. Yeah. Um, and you were struggling uh, with mental health through your A-levels. And were you struggling with mental health when you were in Liverpool in the early days yes. as well? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So um, do you know what kick-started the anxiety? You said something um, that happened about 11, but your mum's always called you a bit of a worrier. Is that – so do you always – had you always been anxious as a kid, do you think? Or was there yeah, a trigger I point? So. I, I think that I would... So there's like different types of mental health. And sometimes uh, mental illness is like caused by situations. And sometimes it's just to do with the chemicals in your brain and the way that your brain is wired. Um, and mm. I... So there's that some history of it in my family. And again, for a few generations. So I think... In terms of generally, I don't think there's anything that really kick-started it. I had some, like when I was about 17, we had some like family stuff go down that didn't help, but I was already pretty bad at that point, so that didn't really make that much difference. Um, so yeah, I would say it was just kind of always there. Um, and the doctors would often say to me, like, you will deal with this for your whole life. That's what they told me. They said, you know, you'll be able to get a little bit better and you'll have help, but you'll probably never come off antidepressants and you'll probably always be in therapy because they were like, this is just how you are. So, yeah, nothing. The hope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of what I was living, like under having that spoken over mm. me basically, as a teenager and into when I moved to Liverpool in my first year of uni. So do you remember then being anxious as a kid before you were a teenager or is this something that you sort of, it's a wrong phrase, but is this something you sort of grew into as a teenager? I think I, I think I was anxious as a kid. I mean, I don't massively remember, but I, I think I was like a bit of a worrier and I did, you know, mm. I wasn't always the most like adventurous and confident, quite shy, um, like quite quiet. I think. I mean, maybe my mum mm. might listen to this and go, she was a nightmare. She definitely wasn't quiet. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, but no, I will find out. She, got, but... she was an angel. She was an yeah. angel. Yeah, great. Um, but yeah, I always like struggled making friends and things like that. And all, you know, yeah. So I think, I think I was always, I always was. And then I think, I mean, being a teenager is like hard. I don't, I was saying this mm. today, actually, weirdly. I do not miss being a teenager at all. It was, it's really hard and it definitely gets harder as time goes on. And so I think if it's, if there's already a bit of that in you anyway, in how you naturally respond to situations, 
then being a teenager often just makes it worse because there's a lot to think about mm. and learn and, and work out. So I think it was there, but was exacerbated by teenage life. Mm. And so when you, so you've got this sort of general anxiety, as you call it, it's the general worries about life, but you use this phrase social anxiety. What did that look like for you? So I, so I think immediately of my prom, we had, when I, uh, when I was, I had a weird school system. So I went to middle school and high school, even though it was in England. So I got two proms, mm -hmm. but, uh, I'd so in year eight, I had prom, obviously. Um, and I was getting ready for it and my friends were about to arrive and I was running around the house like a mad person trying to get everything together. And I remember standing in my parents' living room, just like breathing really, really, really fast. And my mum was like, okay, you okay? Like, chill out. <laughs> but I couldn't put like an obvious rational reason as to why I was feeling anxious. But I knew that people were mm. like, I was going to be around people. And I'm naturally introverted anyway. But that is different mm. to social anxiety. They're two different things. Um, but it was like this thought of being around people just made me anxious. And I couldn't explain it. And it would, when it was bad, when it was really bad, it would stop me going out and doing things. So especially when I was in university, there'd be days where I would just stay in my room and sometimes I wouldn't eat or would like run out to like heat something up in the microwave and run back to my room. Because the, the the fear of seeing other people was so much that it would stop me from leaving the house. But it was never something I could explain. So I couldn't be like, oh, I'm nervous that this would happen because I knew it wasn't rational, which is how you know it's something that's like an illness because it's not rational and it's not, mm. you can't like think it away. It was just there and there wasn't, mm. I couldn't challenge it. Mm. So, I mean, that, that, that all sounds, that sounds pretty horrendous, if I'm honest with you, uh, yeah, Esther. So how bad did it actually get for you, the whole, the whole mental um, health thing? How, how, how low did you actually go? It got pretty, pretty bad. So it got worse when I went to university, I think. Mm. Again, first year of university can be really hard. New place, new people, new everything. Um, I had already had some like incidences of self-harm when I was a teenager, but that got worse when I got to university. And I, again, had this when I was a teenager, but got worse in university where I just was like, there's literally no point me being alive. That was kind of where my mind, my headspace was because I was like, well, I don't have that much impact. People probably wouldn't even notice if I stopped living. That was genuinely what my head would tell me. Um, so I was, when I would say it was probably like the, around the February of my first year of university. It was about three o'clock in the morning. And I called my sister. I called my mum, but she did pick up because it was three o'clock in the morning. Um, and I called my sister and she did pick up. Um, and I was like, I just don't feel safe by myself because I didn't want to live anymore. But I also, there was this instinct inside of me that also was like, yeah, but you should probably live. So I think there's this, it's really hard to explain. There's this like weird kind of conflicting thing that happens where you're like, I don't want to be alive, but also I don't want to die. And it's, mm -hmm. re it's really hard to explain unless you've been there. But I ended up walking at 3 a.m. 
to Liverpool Royal A&E. Um, and my dad, bless him, managed to wake up my parents. And my dad got in the car and drove from just south of Birmingham all the way up to Liverpool, three o'clock in the morning, um, to come and get me. But sat in A&E for about six hours because they only had one mental health person on staff that night. So they couldn't get around to seeing me. Um, but I remember walking up the road and just like, walking up the path towards the Royal and just looking at the path and like not letting myself look at the road because I was scared that I would walk straight into it um, because I was like at that point where I was like, I'm done. I just don't want to. So I was like, just look at the wow. path, just look at the path because I didn't want to be tempted by the road, which is like, it's heavy, but you know, it happens. It's real. It happens to people. Um, that that was my lowest yeah. point and my my absolute legend of a dad came and picked me up and he sat with me in A&E for a bit and then they I'd been there probably for about three or four hours and they came to me and said listen it'll be another six hours and I was just like I'm tired <laughs> I'm done I'm exhausted and I was really afraid of being admitted into hospital I knew that actually that looking back now maybe I needed that I don't know but also um, I would have actually been able to say no to that if I had wanted to, but I was really afraid. Mm. So I just, a dad just take me home. So um, went home and I stayed at home for about a week and went back to university. Um, but that was, yeah, that was really the lowest that it got. That was the closest it got to, to anything like really terrible happening. Wow. So, I, I mean, you've answered this question uh, and thank you for sharing, Esther. And it's not easy stuff to talk about. I appreciate. Um, and as you were talking, the question that I wrote down in my little, I have a little notebook here where I jot down all my questions as we go along. How we, how did your parents deal with all this? Because obviously you've moved away from home. The yeah. mental uh, health issues have got worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and your dad, I mean, your dad's obviously struggling with this because he's getting in a car at three o'clock in the morning. I mean, your dad is yeah. a legend. I mean, you know, yeah. and I can, I can, I, I feel your dad's heart because I have a daughter and you just kind of go, of course I'm going to get in the car at three o'clock yeah. in the morning. Why would I not? Um, but how did, how did they, how have they dealt with it and how have they kind of supported you throughout this time? I guess, I guess is another question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was a teenager and I was first, struggling with it I remember them saying to me like this is still new to us so you're gonna have to be patient with us because we don't know how to deal with this so they were super honest with me from the start which is always helpful Mm. and and it it did it took me a while to talk to them because I mean there's like stigma and everything that comes with it all but they were great I mean they would chat to me when I needed chatting to and I was like just need to have a conversation or cry or rant or whatever I don't I mean I don't really know how I think yeah I mean I imagine it was really hard because I'm their kid so obviously that is not what they want me to experience um they would never I don't think they ever really like went into detail about how it affected them I remember when I just before I moved to Liverpool I remember my mum saying to me, like, you don't have to go. Like, it's okay, you can stay. Mm. If you don't need you can cope. And I think part of me, I am quite, I'm, can be quite stubborn. So that I was like, well, I'm definitely going now. <laughs> um, but <laughs> you know, like to be old than me. <laughs> um, so, and I think I kind of saw that they, they really wanted to protect me, but they were amazing because they didn't hold me back. 
and they trusted that I would that I knew myself enough to know whether I could do it or not, um, mm. which was amazing. And I know that a lot of people don't have that, and they really like like you know just will just follow your lead basically. Mm. So, and I, I remember. I mean, this is a bit of a I guess spoiler for later, but I remember when I told my dad that I'd stopped taking my antidepressants, I'd come off them. Like, I remember his reaction was just awesome. Like, he was so excited and he gave me this massive hug. And um, I think then I was like, oh, that's this has really affected them, like, a lot when I saw it afterwards. Mm. Um, mm. But, yeah, I, d- I didn't really know. I think Ben, both my parents have had experiences with, with mental health here and there. I think as everyone has, like, everyone goes through stuff. Um, mm. But yeah, I think it must have been tricky, but they did they did a great job. I think they probably don't realise quite how good of a job they did. Um mm. but yeah, I think they just trusted me to know my limit, but because they'd already set up mm. that I could come and talk to them if I needed them. Um Yeah. Yeah. And they oh, that's wonderful. And imagine Yeah, yeah. I imagine there were a lot of prayers behind closed doors. Uh, yeah. is uh, yeah. is what I imagine was going on a lot there. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so here you are at your lowest point, right? Mm. You're, you've wandered into the hospital, your eyes are focused on the pavement. Um, and obviously you've given us a slight spoiler alert, but before we get into what happened and, and, and maybe how, how God worked with you to, to, to come through this, mm. how did you reconciling your head um, or did you reconciling your head this idea of mental health, the stigma, and how did God let me get here? Sure. I mean, this is because yeah. none of this should add up, right? None of this yeah. should equate. Uh, and I and I I know a lot of people struggle with this type of thing. So yeah. how did, how how are you at this point dealing with that? You know the the health issues and the theology. Yeah, yeah. I mean that was really hard because obviously, like growing up with it with you know knowing the bible and knowing that should like truly truly believing that god had the best for me and that god made all the mm. right decisions to then be sat in a position like that i was like hang on a minute this doesn't make any sense i remember reading uh there's a verse in the bible that says uh for god did not give me a spirit of fear but of power of love and of a sound mm-hmm. mind and i remember reading that really specific translation of sound mind and I was like, well, I do not, my mind is anything but sound. <laughs> um, like, I remember going to my dad and being like, I just, but I'm, this is not, this does not describe me. I was like, I am fearful. I mm. like, that is what I felt like. And I remember my dad giving me this explanation of like, you know, it's a promise. And mm. we, we live in this, like what we like to call this tension of the now and the not yet, which we'd like to use to explain things, which doesn't necessarily always explain things but it is true um Mm. but then actually that's god's promise over us and that we still live in this world and so we live in the world that is fallen even though we are god's people who he has saved and made holy we live in the world and we live in these bodies and so i i mean it, it was really really hard and i think that one of the things I remember saying to somebody who was probably my dad um, was like, 
the best thing about all of this is that I have learned that I definitely actually trust God. Because I think mm. when everything's great, when you go, like, especially if you're, you know, you're young and you grow up in a Christian family, you think, yeah, yeah, I think I trust God, but it's never been tested before. Like, I just assume that I do. But then I went through something like that bad. And I was like, well, like, no, I really trust God. And I could trust that he, he's doing the right thing. And I, I can't really attest that to anything. Like, I'm, I don't, I'm not like, oh, great. I did a good job because I trusted. And I, I do think that that was just off the back of like knowing him well and, or, you know, and spending time with him, but also the prayer of people around me. Um, because prayer is just so powerful. And um, I remember multiple times sitting in my bedroom at home and in halls, just like, just crying, like absolutely devastating, having a horrible time and just saying, God, I, I trust you. So I think that in some ways, being completely without anything else, I was like, well, I only have God. So I don't believe that he's given me this. I don't believe that he's made me like this. So I have to trust yeah. that he will bring me out of it. I just know that God has me and that he will use it for good because I trust that. Because it's all I could do. And if I didn't have that, I probably wouldn't be here today. Because I, that was the mm. only thing I had to lean on. And so I think as hard as it is sometimes to to kind of wrestle with that, but why, we know that God is good regardless. And so mm. we have to lean on that because that is the only thing that is going to get us through those points in life. Wow. So your last therapy session was January 2019, yeah. uh, which at the time of recording is... Uh, three years ago. Yeah. Um, how's the last three years been? Do you feel like you're, um, it's, you've got stronger and stronger or has it been a bit more up and down? Have there still been struggles and fights or what? how have you, how have you found that? Kind of both, to be honest. I think that I have got stronger and stronger, but it's also been up and down. Um, so, mm. I mean, it's been a weird three years because there's been a pandemic. And I think that kind of yep. bashed everyone's brains a little bit. Um, so there was that. And, but I, my general, like I would never say at any point that any of my major symptoms have ever returned. I would never say like, I've really struggled with my mental health. There have been other things I've had to work through. So when you go through something for that long, it, it does leave marks. Um, and mm. behavior. So like when I was talking about being a kid that I just responded to things in a certain way. Like I think that in, to some extent I still do that, but it never, ever, ever goes past a healthy level of worry and anxiety. So if, mm. I don't remember the last time I had a panic attack or got so anxious mm. I couldn't move or couldn't leave the house. I think for me, like getting better from mental illness doesn't look like every single day is perfect because actually that just doesn't exist. It's just not a life works. Well, it's just not life, is it? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but actually what it looks like is being able to deal with that in a healthy way and not letting it. So if I'd had like a bad day, say four years ago, I had a bad day that would have affected my month. Whereas I have a bad day mm. and I get up the next morning and carry on as if it's fine. 
So there you go. That was my conversation with, well, it was 20 minutes of my conversation with Esther. Uh, Anna, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, firstly, amazing Esther. I mean, I think it's just really courageous to, to come onto a podcast like that and share your story that's obviously so personal for her and was quite painful at the time. And just, yeah, it's really brave. I'm always, I'm just always impressed with people who come on and share their stories about hard things. And, mm. um, you know, it, it was personal and it, you know, affected her whole family. And yeah, it sounded like she went through some really tough challenges for a while. And um, yeah, so thank you, Esther sharing it it's you know I think mental health is so important to talk about and it's it's so great that people are you know doing that now and I just think it's always so courageous yeah couldn't agree more could not agree more in fact it is worth saying actually right here at this point in the broadcast if this comes out at the time we expect it to bearing in mind it is a non-live live stream uh then next week we actually are kickstarting again what does the bible say series and it's going to be what does the bible say about mental health and lisa orange who is a trained counselor uh, and just a beautiful lady is doing that hosting it with me is frank hargreaves who's a retired gp uh, and um so i am definitely outnumbered on the uh <laughs> on the qualifications yeah. uh side of things that's for sure yeah uh, you've so... definitely got some um clever medical people there. <laughs> what do we know about these things <laughs> yeah it's funny isn't it it's just like wow uh so yeah we've got uh frank and lisa next week hopefully talking with us about wow. mental health so do come join in for that as we're going to do a bit more of a deep dive on it because uh, today was a bit more about Esther's story and sharing, you know, what she'd learned along the way. Uh, and next week, Lisa's going to unpack a little bit more on the whole topic and uh, the Bible verses surrounding that. Because the Bible actually has a lot to say about mental health. Um, surprisingly, the Bible has a lot to say about everything, uh, it turns out, if you dig in there. Um, and so I'm really curious to see how Lisa responds to that and, and pulls that out because she's just fabulous and it's going to be great, I've no doubt. So, um, yeah, do come join us for that, especially if uh, mental health is an issue for you, like it was for Esther. Um, uh, you know, I, we, we are not claiming, uh, just putting this out there, that there's going to be a quick fix, uh, but there is always hope. Uh, and that's the one thing I think I took from Esther's story. I'm like, man, there were years of hard times where she is just pressing into God. Uh, and now she seems to be reaping the rewards of that, which is great, you know, and the mm -hmm. last few years, uh, which is the, 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 you know, the time that I've known Esther, she is such a transformed lady, lovely, lovely lady, recently married. We talk about that as well on the podcast. Uh, I think she was a month into a marriage when I interviewed her. Yeah. I only met Esther quite recently, and so I didn't know that was her background, to be honest. Um, mm. But yeah, I, I love the fact that um, like her story just shows that it was like a mixture of, um, you know, kind of trusting God and doing spiritual work, but also doing a lot of work on her emotional health mm -hmm. um, with a therapist, which is really important for a lot of people, and also working with medical professionals to get antidepressants and you know whatever drugs she needs to sort of like I love the fact that she's honest about the fact that there's not this quick spiritual fix but actually yeah. it was all of those things working together that over time became sort of her journey towards healing and, and, mm -hmm. and getting better and being in a place where she's really well mentally now and 
I love I love that honesty that it's like yeah that sometimes those things come together and all of them are important yeah they are and I I think one of the things I guess I've noticed over recent years and Anna you may have noticed this um is that there is less and less stigma attached with mental health and antidepressants um mm. that, at least that seems to be you know from where I, I sit think- uh which I think is a good thing and I think um, I mean, Esther touched on the fact that there was stigma. She found it hard to talk to her parents straight away because of that. Um, but hopefully the conversations are opening up. And um, yeah, we're definitely not one to sit here and judge on the issues of mental health or antidepressants and taking medications and things like that. No, not at all. Um, and, you know, uh, please don't feel that we would. Uh, you know, this is, I think, a safe space to explore some of those questions uh, around faith and, and all of that sort of thing. So do stick with us, especially next week as, we, as we're going to deep dive into it. I think Esther is, um, she's surprising, eh, uh, Esther, when she's talking and you kind of like, um, like you, when we were doing that interview, um, I was learning as we were going along, I'm like, I didn't, I knew a few bits and bobs, mainly because I'd done a prep call with her before the interview, uh, where I I drew drew a few of these things out. So I wasn't totally surprised, but um, yeah, yeah, like you, just thank you, Esther, for sharing that story, thought it was super vulnerable. And if anything from Esther's story hits a nerve with you and you would like someone to talk to or connect with, uh, we definitely are not trained counsellors. Do, do bear that in mind. And maybe the best person to talk to is your GP. Do check with them. But from a spiritual point of view, we can definitely help um, and steer things and, and give you some help and guidance. So do reach out to us at crowd.church, www.crowd.church, or on Instagram or Facebook at crowdchurch. You can reach us through social media. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you do go to our website, you will also find on there a WhatsApp number where you can text uh, straight into the crowd church here and someone will get back to you as well so um, do reach out to us don't stay isolated uh, do not be alone in this um, yeah. which Sharon did a talk on you know what does the bible say about loneliness just before the end of August so uh, do you know it's I have to say Anna when I think about some of the topics we've covered recently so what does the bible say about loneliness uh, what does um john did you know the emotionally healthy spirituality talk going through the wall we've got esther's today talking about mental health next week we've got uh, what does the bible say about mental health none of these things were planned it just kind of happened that way and i kind of thought to myself the other day oh goodness me there seems to be a bit of a theme emerging. yeah all about emotional wellness and mm. and you know i i know the bible doesn't exactly use the term mental health very much does it because I don't know, that's not the language of the Bible, but it certainly mm. talks a lot about feelings and emotions and how we think and, yeah, and all of that is mental health, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It talks, as to use the phrase sound mind, uh, so uh, that's probably more the, the right language um, yeah. uh, of, of having a sound mind. Um, it talks in other places about having the mind of Christ. It talks about us renewing our minds um uh being transformed by the renewing of our minds scripture is really interesting in this in that it, it talks about how transformation starts with change of thinking uh and that's quite an extraordinary thing actually when you when you think about it you know uh, it, uh, i remember reading a book called oh 
oh, is it your brain at work or something like that. I can't remember the exact title of the, the book, but I remember the author, David Rock. And in there he talked about an iceberg. And he said at the tip of the iceberg, you have a behavior, right? Or mm. no, sorry, you have outcomes, you have results. And so people look at their results and they want to change them. And so you're told if you want to change your results, change how you behave, right? So yeah. if you want if you want something different, do something different. And he talked about this as an iceberg and he said those two things are, are, are above the sea. And then below the sea, he said directly below it, you have your emotions. And so recently, you know, we've learned actually if I want to change how I behave, I've got to change how I feel. I've got to work on my emotional health mm -hmm. to, to make sure my behavior is working in such a way that I'm going to get the results that yeah. I want. Um, and now all the modern textbooks tell you that actually way below, right at the bottom of this iceberg, which are always much bigger under the sea than on top, right at the bottom is thinking. And if you want to change how you feel, you've got to change how you think. So it all starts with thinking. And I, I read the book and thought, this is brilliant. I like the iceberg analogy. But the Bible 2000 years ago says, if you want to be transformed, start yeah. with changing your thinking, right? Uh, and so sometimes we kind of, we, we double back on ourselves. And so um i guess my question to you then anna on that basis uh how it's a bit of a wide question if i'm honest with you yeah. how has how has your thinking been transformed from scripture in recent years how's that transformation happened for you oh that's a big one isn't it yeah, yeah i told you um, it's a bit of a wide question yeah um i'm trying to think of a good example i suppose um I suppose one of the ways is like we were talking about rest the other week, weren't we? And um, for me, one of the ways that my thinking has changed and then that's changed my behavior is um, I used to be quite a like hurried, busy person who just filled every minute of every day and then kind of hit a bit, you know, we're talking about walls, kind of hit a bit of a personal wall. And then um, in terms of like, particularly when I first became a parent, it was like, right, I can't work full time and do all these other things with my evenings and weekends and be a good parent and continue to do a full-time marketing job excellently I like I just can't do it all and um so for me it was like going back to scripture and changing how I was thinking about how I was living my life and yeah. what um, Jesus taught us priorities in terms of rest and you know all his teachings on rest and sabbath and actually starting to put some of that think like realizing and getting that thinking right and addressing some of those things that weren't right in my thinking about why I was so driven, like, um, and then out of that, actually changing some of my behavior and being mm. like, I don't need to be so driven and always on because I can rest in who I am and, you know, not having to do all the things. Um, yeah, that's that's been a bit of my journey over the last few years in terms of changing one area of my thinking, which is not really about mental health, but it is about how you're the way you think affects everything in your life. Yeah. Um, and really, when you when you um, brought it all down to sort of the grassroots, it was like, I didn't really trust that um, God would meet all my needs. Like, I felt like I had to work hard and provide what I needed for myself. And that was what was driving a lot mm. of, like, overwork, really, in my life. So, yeah, it's interesting. What it about is. you? Have you examples? Yeah, I mean, a similar thing on rest um, and Sabbath, I think that's probably one of the behaviors that's changed a lot recently. And it's driven this whole, um, let's take August off uh, as a sabbatical, you know. Um, and I I think for the last year, Sharon and I have been doing this 
uh, Sabbath, you know, having a Sabbath day every week. And Jack Mariner uh, did a talk on Sabbath and rest yeah, just did, a couple of weeks they? ago. Yeah, yeah. We tried to do it as well as a family, like once a week. Mm. It's a great thing to do, isn't it? And um, actually, I think that's very beneficial or has been very beneficial for my mental health is just taking that rest. Mm -hmm. So I tend I don't do social media, especially on that day. I don't open my emails on that day. I, I you know, the Sabbath is a break. And, and, and Peter Scazzaro, Scazzaro, I think that's how you pronounce his name, the guy that wrote the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He's got a great podcast. I've not read his book, but I do listen to his podcast. I'm more of a podcast guy. He um, he talks a lot about Sabbath and a lot about rest. Mm. And he talks about the need for it, um, you know, as in there's a Sabbath day of rest for the week. You know, the Old Testament, where a lot of farmers had to rest their fields for a year. Mm. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that the Bible talks about in, in this whole sphere. And um, I just remember being really challenged by it and going, goodness me like you i was i actually had an identity in working crazy hours do you know mm. what i mean and i always wanted to be if someone came into a room and said oh geez i've been busy i just wanted to know in the back of my head that i could go yeah but you've not been as busy as me but do you know what i mean and yeah. i don't know why it was just one of those thoughts in my i, I couldn't verbalize it it's it's just it was always there and so the whole thing about rest uh was a huge challenge and so um, and I think it does affect a lot of people's mental health, doesn't it, that area? Yeah. Because, um, like, we live in such an always-on culture now. You know, like, I think as much as we love technology here at Crowdchurch, it does, like you say, you can always have emails and social media. Mm -hmm. And, you you know, you can do the shopping list late at night and you can do your online banking in the evening. And, you know, you can be talking to people at the other side of the world in a different time zone and, and on and on it goes. And and so there's never really any downtime, is there? Like, whereas mm. previous generations, at least Saturdays or Sundays were a bit more of a rest because shops closed and like mm. things just stopped happening and culture, didn't it? I think mm. now we're like, yeah, that's one of the downsides of technology. You have to be really disciplined about unplugging because it's always there. And, you know, there isn't a sort of Sabbath, you know, yeah. there isn't a day where shops shut anymore, is there? Or where even when they're shut, you can still buy stuff online. And yeah, yeah there's just, yeah, it's because it's so countercultural now. I think it's a really intentional choice to to actually take a day out where you say, I'm not going to mm. focus on productivity today. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. It's, it is. And if you think about what social media does, going back to the whole mental health thing, uh, predominantly you one of the things I find myself doing is comparing my life to the photographs that I see. Mm, Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's constant comparison. It's like, well, hang on a minute. They've got that. Why have I not got that? They've, they've got that skin. Why have I not got that skin or that hairstyle? Why have I not got it? Or those clothes or that holiday or that lifestyle yeah. or that dream. And um, I, I find, you know, social media is one of those things where people only ever put their best moments of life. Uh, and so yeah. It, it becomes an easy place to compare yourself. I, I read a statistic um, which said, you know, the average female, the average girl, the average woman, uh, I, I was thinking about this for my daughter. She sees over 3,000 images a day now, mm -hmm. most of which are photoshopped, aren't real. And so mm -hmm. not only are you comparing yourself to yeah. that image, that image is actually, you can't even attain it. It's totally unrealistic. Um, and so, yeah, so if you yeah, think I know. about what does that do to like women's mental health and sense of who they are but then also in between that we're watching like 
hundreds and thousands of adverts every day, you know, yeah. popping up every few seconds online and mm. more than ever before. And they're not just like on billboards now. They're like invading mm. in our homes and in our pockets and all the time, aren't they? Yeah. In our bedrooms and everything. And um, yeah, and it's like, and how, like you talk about, you know, discontent and kind of comparison. But what's that doing to us all the time? It's always, it's constantly reinforcing message all day, all day long to you that your life isn't enough as it is, that you need more. Yeah that you should want more you, you need this to be happy now now you need this and yeah that that i think has a huge impact on our mental health for all of us oh it's got to be massive especially with the amount of disinformation that's out there i mean mm. and you think about the the lack of trust that that breeds like no one trusts the government yeah. anymore especially in the uk and you can understand why you mm. know no one trusts the news or you know what's shown on facebook yet we still watch it because of fake news and all that sort of stuff and it just yeah i can Coming back to the point, how has the Bible helped me renew my thinking? I think the 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 practical practice of taking Sabbath and unplugging and just doing a day unto the Lord, just God, mm. this is your day. Do you know what I mean? And just unplugging yeah. from anything and everything and just going right. Let's just retune ourselves here, rebalance life. It's such a life-giving practice. And, yeah. and so positive for my mental health that yeah that's my that's my my thing i would say Interesting. anyway on that bombshell <laughs> i think we'll end conversation street uh just to say again just to remind you if you uh, did weren't here as weren't with us at the start of the uh broadcast that what's the story uh, is a brand new podcast from crowd church and we deep dive into people's stories we talk to real people everyday people about their stories of faith and courage uh, and it is a separate podcast which you must subscribe to um, and you can do that wherever you get your podcasts from the links will be on the website the actual video recordings if you're a video type person uh, and would rather watch it um, as well, rather than just hear it alone, it will be on YouTube. You can check out the Crowd Church YouTube channel, and it will also be on at. They'll be on our Crowd Church website. There'll be a whole what's the story section where you can uh, download, but well, download them. You can stream them uh, and and watch them. Just don't do it on your Sabbath day. That's all. Just just unplug. Just unplug. Uh, and so um, you can check those out. Like I say, more information at Crowd Church, www.crowd.church, or on social media at Crowd Church. Uh, and like I say, if anything has touched you today and you want to reach out to somebody, connect with somebody, uh, please do get in touch. All the details are on our website. Uh, so www.crowd.church, you can get a hold of that. Anna, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule uh, in this crazy hot weather for being with me so we can pre-record uh, these things in August. Uh, it's been uh, it's been it's been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we picked the heavy topics. We hardly ever do light ones, do we, to be fair? <laughs> when I'm looking down the schedule, if we go, oh, that's a light topic. And no, let's not get Anna to help us host that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, that's uh, that's been awesome. Anna's going to be back with us. Uh, I'm just looking down the dark. I don't know when you're next on. Um, but I assume you're hosting at some point uh, in the new term. Yeah, I will be there at some point. I can't remember the date either. some point in the autumn. I'll see you guys soon. Should have a great busy. rest of your summer everyone yeah do enjoy it thanks for joining us make sure you subscribe to the live streams wherever you get your 
live streams from, whether that's YouTube, Facebook, or on the podcast. Uh, it's been great to connect with you. God bless you. Have a fantastic week. Uh, and that's it, I think, from myself and Anna. Bye for now. Bye.